It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, getting you ready for not just basketball season, but also bowl season as Texas A&M will return to the bowl game for the 11th consecutive season. Guys, if you're not following us on social media, just do that real quick. It's three easy steps. One, Locked on Aggies. That is our main page. That's where we post a lot of our stuff. That's where that we try to get as many questions as possible answered. Two, Aggies SI, Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven, and the Locked On Podcast Network have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding everything with Texas A&M, so make sure you're following that at Aggies SI. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm at Mr. Cole Thompson. I'm a mister. I'm Cole Thompson. That's my name. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, at Locked On Aggies. Okay, today's show, we're going to do a little bit of multiple things. We're going to do awards. For the Aggies, we're going to do Ask an Aggies, and we're also going to answer one question that I got on social media that I really want to bring up because it involves A&M's schedule. So why don't we start off with the award season right now. Newcomer of the year, this will be a freshman or a junior college transfer coming over to the program. I think this is a pretty easy one because if he's already in the record books right now, and that would be to me Jalen Weidemeyer. I know Isaiah Spiller is another guy that we could throw his name into the mix, and it's hard not to when he finished with the top 10 in the SEC in rushing, uh, over 700 yards, nine touchdowns on the year. But what Jalen Weidemeyer did was he stepped up and wasn't even considered to be the big guy for the program. Instead, that was supposed to be Baylor Cup, the shining prospect tight end uh everyone believed when he came in he came in early he was going to change the program be jay sternberger's immediate replacement well he got hurt in the very first or second week of fall camp had leg surgery to repair a broken bone he was out for the remainder of the year they were going to rely on glenn beal a sophomore to take over as the lead blocker and as pass catcher instead they find the dickinson native he comes out and he shines in a pivotal role for this Aggies offense. When you look at the numbers overall, he led the team in touchdowns with six. He's now second all-time for a touchdowns for a tight end in program history. So you know he's going to be number one in a few years if he continues to build off of this season. 30-plus receptions this year, over 400 receiving yards, consistently finding ways to get open, being a red zone threat. Developing as a pretty decent blocker as well. When you watched him every single game, he got a little bit better and a little bit better each weekend. So overall, I don't know how you don't give this award to him. I get Damani Richardson stepping up and being one of the better defensive players for this team. I get Isaiah Spiller because of what he was able to do with the loss of Jay Sean Corbin. And you could really throw this as a 1A, 1B. Let's kind of decide who we want. But for me personally, Jalen Weidemeyer stepped up the most and transformed into the next great tight end prospect who we could see in the 2021-2022 draft, my bad, overall, and become potentially a first-round pick and another Aggie going to the NFL. Look at Defensive Player of the Year. Another easy one. This is Justin Matabike. Justin Matabike was once again 
the main reason why AM's run defense was so good this season. He led the team with six and a half sacks, 11 and a half uh, tackles for losses, seven total QB pressures. He consistently was able to beat blocks. He was consistently able to get upfield. He had a great movement with his body. He is such a tremendous talent. And if he is to go to the NFL, I don't know where his range is right now. I think he could fall anywhere between a top 50 pick to maybe a late third rounder. And at that point, maybe he comes back. But imagine if he comes back with that off with that defensive line. And now you have a DeMarvin Leal, younger guy who's stepping up, a Michael Clements coming back and playing on the other edge, a Bobby Brown and a Jaden Peavy stepping up and becoming better and better talented players. I definitely think that Matt Abike could be in the running to return to the team next season. And if so, that is a huge win for this AM uh, de- uh, defense overall. Offensive player of the year. There's a couple guys you can go. I definitely think that you could throw in Weidemeyer to that conversation. I think even so, with a down year, you could potentially throw in Kellen Mond. I think you could throw in Jamon Osmond. But I, instead, I'm going to go with Isaiah Spiller. I am. Because of even though he is a newcomer, imagine if the team did not have the run game. I mean, he finished with a top 10 record in the SEC. And he did that with multiple games where he rushed for negative yards or under 20 yards. He had four 100-plus yard games. He led the team in rushing even when Jay Sean Corbin was around. He led the team in rushing in the very first game against Texas State. His first or second carry was an 86-yard run to set up for the next touchdown. Not many freshmen do that. And AM could be sitting at 6-6 six and six if not for Spiller's performance against Ole Miss. And that was the game that got the team back into winning ways. You got to remember that they were on a two-game losing streak. Uh, they just lost to Alabama, and they had suffered a couple losses already on the year. They were now sitting with a 3-3 three and three record, and they didn't want to fall to 3-4. and four. Spiller's 22-yard touchdown run with two minutes left in the game sealed the deal, gave A&M the victory, and they improved, and they won the next four straight. Don't get me wrong, it was the four straight that they needed to win because they finished 7-5, and five, but at least they finished with an above 500 record. Second time under Jimbo Fisher. Without the run game there, can you say that that happens? I don't think so. I definitely don't think so. And a lot of that is because of Jay Sean Corbin. Not Jay Sean Corbin. That's because of Jay Sean Corbin's injury. That's why Isaiah Spiller is able to say, I think he's the offensive player of the year. I definitely do. And there's only promise for the future because of when you look at what's coming back with Cordarian Richardson and then you have Jay Sean Corbin healthy. This is going to be big for the team. Also, we have to give out some awards that we don't like to talk about, and that was the least productive offensive player. I know you're, a lot of people are going to say Kellen Mond. I'm going to go with Kendrick Rogers. This was a guy I truly believed was going to transform into that next first-round prospect, and now if he leaves early, I think that he is at best a late-round pick. He just was. Uh, he continued to be unhealthy. He consistently had too many bangs-up injuries. He wasn't able to make those plays that I think that we really want him to. He didn't get his first touchdown until, I believe it was week eight against Ole Miss. So overall, it was one of those things where you look at this roster and you're like, why is he not performing? And maybe that falls a little bit on Mond, but it also falls on Rodgers and his health. I was expecting a big year. I hope he returns next year to make it an even bigger year for the program because I do think that this program would be beneficial to have as many of the veteran roster back. Defensive disappointment of the year. There's a few guys I'm going to go with. I mean, you can really pick out one. 
I, I'm personally going to go with Anthony Hines. I thought that he was okay this year. I didn't think that he had the best overall season. I think that there's room for improvement, and I definitely think that he's been a guy that you can look at at the future and be someone to build around. I think that him and Buddy Johnson did the most of what they could. Uh, but I think Buddy Johnson, because of he loved the team in tackles, kind of gets a little bit of a buy. Anthony Hines is one where I'm just kind of like, eh, he was good, but was he great? I don't think so. MVP of the year, pretty simple one, and it's not the one that anyone's going to expect. It's the most simple answer out there, and it's punter Braden Mann. Braden Mann was the MVP of the season. For him to be able to consistently punt over 50 yards in a game, I believe it was nine times he got inside the 20. For him to pin an offense back that far. That helped a get some wins. For his consistency and what he was able to do with his leg, and for him not to go back and win the Ray Guy Award, not even become a semifinalist for it, is asininely insane because of what he's done in his college career. He will go down as one of the best special teams players to ever walk in a college station. That's how well he's performed this year. That's how well he's performed over the course of his career, and he is going to be severely missed next season in Aggieland. Speaking of Aggieland, it's time for Asking Aggies. This is the part of the show where I answer questions that you sent me on social media. We're going to talk a little bit about AM. We're also going to talk a little bit about the SEC. There was one question that I saw that I really think is going to be beneficial because both of these teams will face AM next season. Locked on Aggies, don't go anywhere. We'll be talking about Asking Aggies right after this. Guys, in case you didn't know, Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a free 30-day trial by choosing one audiobook and two Audible originals for absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash lockedoncollege. Listening on the go? Don't worry, we got you covered. If you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this ad and all other ads on Locked On Sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash sponsors. So go ahead and start listening to your audiobooks today. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, if you're not checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, what are you doing? It's very simple, and we have over two dozen college football shows ready, ready, and willing for you to listen to. So go ahead and download the Locked On Podcast app and check us out at lockedonpodcast.com. It's time for asking Aggies. It's a Friday's edition of the show. Things that we talk about surrounding all things Texas A&M, getting you ready for whatever comes next. And right now, a lot of the questions are bowl season. Who is, you know, who is A&M going to face? Where could they go? What can they do? You can listen to Wednesday's show. That breaks down every team I do think A&M has the opportunity to face and every place I do think they can go. Uh, but we do have a couple questions, ones that I personally think that are, are pretty good. All right, so let's start this off. Jan, who do you think would be the best opponent for A&M to play from the Big Ten? Good question. Um... For for surefire win, I think a team like Indiana, who went eight and four, would be a really good team. But I don't think they're going to be considered for that Gator uh, Gator Bowl or the Outback Bowl. So I think the next promising one you could see would be Penn State, because Penn State I think is going to have a lot of players sit out to help their draft stock. We already saw several players. Uh, their their top defensive end has already announced that he will declare for the NFL draft. He has not said if he will or will not play in the bowl game or whichever one they go to. I think that that would be a pretty good matchup because a lot of the guys that they have are going to be missing out. So this could be a monumental win for AM over a program that was considered top 10, just like them. 
and the Nittany Lions did finish top 10 overall, so I don't see where that's a problem. Question number two comes from Billy. Which game do you think AM will ultimately end up playing in? That's tough because my big thing is I think that what we're waiting to see is where they put Tennessee. Tennessee went on a six, five out of six games winning streak to close out the season to finish with the same record as AM, where AM dropped their last two games against top 10 opponents. That may hurt the Aggies, and I think that one team for sure is getting snubbed in the sense, and one team's going to be higher. You know that Alabama right now is probably not going to a New Year's Six Bowl, and neither is Auburn, because what the three teams that will be will be LSU probably in the playoff, Georgia will probably represent the SEC in the Sugar Bowl, and then Florida probably will be that at-large bid. You look at them maybe going to uh, the Cotton Bowl. You look at them maybe going to uh, the Orange Bowl out in Miami. Those are all games I think that you can look at, and I don't think that you're going to see a fourth team in there. So with that, Alabama takes over that one spot more than likely, and it now allows either A&M or Tennessee to kind of be snubbed out. And the way A&M finished the season I think hurts them a little more so unless they make the Music City Bowl, which is a game I do think they are in the running for, I think it's either going to be them or Kentucky, they're going to the Texas Bowl. I think that you could just kind of book that one right now. That's my bet. I, I, I honestly think that Tennessee is going to get the Vipe over them and a and going to stay close to home. I think that that would be a game that is very easy and marketable because A&M is an hour and 15, hour 20 minutes away from downtown Houston. They could definitely sell to AM fans. There's a ton out in Houston. I live out here. I know the area. I grew up in the area. There's a ton of Aggies who will go to that game. And if they get the right opponent, like a team like Oklahoma State, Stillwater, a five and a half, six hour drive away from downtown Houston, also has a pretty significant fan base because a lot of kids from the greater Houston area do go up to Stillwater they could sell that game even more. So overall, I do think that that's where the bowl game is going to kind of try and force it. Uh, I, I would love to see them play Texas. It's not going to happen. I, I highly doubt it, but I could see them playing either Oklahoma State or Kansas State. Got time for one more before I bring up the one that I really want to discuss. Overall, what would you grade a and season? I've talked about this before in the past, and I still give it a B. Maybe a B minus. I would have loved to have seen what Kellen Mond could have done with a more productive year. I think he was a massive disappointment because of his numbers, but he still got wins. Uh, the team lost their top running back who only rushed for 103 yards the year before and was relying on a freshman who has yet to receive a carry and just joined the program and he finished with a top 10 SEC record. So don't think you can be that mad about that. You also got to look at some guys such as Kendrick Rogers disappointing, but a guy like Anaya Smith really stepping up and potentially becoming that next big target and him in the run game. I think that he was pretty solid. And then you have to look at also where you can build for the future. I think that there's a ton of room for improvement, especially on the offensive side of the ball, especially with uh, the offensive line. I think that's a big, big, big fix. I think that there's some areas where I look at this team and I go, okay, they're almost there. They're almost ready. But you also have to look at their schedule. First team since 1975 to face the AP preseason top three teams in a single season. First team in college football history to face three number ones in a single season. Five top ten opponents. Almost won two of those games. It's not a great season because if you hired Jimbo Fisher to take you to that next level and you regressed by record in 2019... 
But I think that there's so much to build off of and what is coming back next year for sure and what is being lost in other teams. What Alabama's losing is going to be horrendously hard to replace. What Georgia could lose is going to be incredibly hard to replace. What Florida is losing, it's going to be easier to replace than Georgia and Alabama, but it's still going to be hard. What LSU is losing is going to be tremendously hard to replace. Miles Brennan from Joe Burrow? No. A&M has a shot to be the SEC champions next season, and I have no doubt about that, but there's definitely room for improvement, so I give them a B. I give them a solid B because the schedule was tough, they looked competitive at times, and they were probably the most Jekyll and Hyde team in football, so maybe B, B-, minus. that'd be my grade for them. That's going to do it for Locked on Aggies, asking Aggies. We will be talking about one more question. I wanted to kind of save it because if I could go into the final segment, kind of bringing this up, bringing in the SEC just a little bit, but we're going to discuss that and we're going to preview the SEC championship where the last two teams A&M faced, LSU and Georgia, will be taking the stage in Atlanta on Saturday at 2.30. Locked on Aggies will be discussing that right after this. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Thanks so much for sticking around. I said I wanted to talk about a subject that surrounded the SEC because of I think that it's important to know your opponent and where your opponent could be going. There's two teams in the SEC West who are looking for head coaches, and someone asked me, who would you hire as the next head coach of both Arkansas and Ole Miss. And in my personal opinion, the two guys who I would hire, who I think would be great hires for the conference, but also great hires for the SEC and for their programs, are facing off against each other tomorrow. And no, they're not in the AAC. No, they're not in the Big Ten. They're not OCs. They're proven head coaches. If I am Arkansas, I am hiring Lane Kiffin from Florida Atlantic. He rebuilt the program. He transferred them into a pretty successful Conference USA team. They're now playing for the Conference USA title and potentially a top 25 bid for a bigger bowl game. And if I'm Ole Miss, I'm hiring the guy he's facing, and that's UAB's Bill Clark. People are talking about Lane Kiffin like he is the second coming because of he coached under guys such as John Green because if he coached at o- Oakland because if he was at Tennessee because of he coached under Nick Saban he's been in the program he's on Twitter he's you know he's personable Bill Clark started his job at UAB and after one season was told program shut down we're shutting down next year we're not going to have a team we're not going to be a part of anything we are not going to be giving you anything to do you can leave to go to another job because we don't know when we're going to bring this program back. Instead, he stayed with the program. He built the program up from nothing. Got guys who probably would not have been recruited for anywhere else besides FCS schools, brought them in, had them work out, had a ton of walk-ons, and in three seasons has gone 28-11 and with a conference championship title. Do you know what that says about a head coach? A guy who's willing to stay with a program that's in shambles to fix the problem, even though he was not the problem. It was all academic behind closed doors with the athletics. That speaks character and volume of a guy's success and mentality. 
And a school like Ole Miss needs a guy with that mentality to come in, be successful, struggle, and take the program to the next level. We're looking at guys like Will Muschamp still getting another chance to continue to be head coaches. Bill Clark has proven that he can be a head coach at a small level. Let him go to a bigger school. Let's see what he can do. Those are my two hires, easily. Uh, Somebody asked me uh, who would hire for Mizzou. I think it's going to come down to Josh Heupel uh, out of UCF or Scott Anderson out of Arkansas State. I think both those guys could be good hires. Everyone knows what we saw with Drew Locke when Heupel was the OC there. I think that'd be a good hire. Previewing the SEC Championship, A&M faced these two teams to close out their season. One game was particularly close, 19-13 in favor of Georgia, and the other one was a bloodbath. So in my personal opinion, what I think this weekend is going to show is Georgia real, and did they just have a struggle game against A&M, or is LSU just the team that nobody could beat this year? LSU was up 28-0 going into the second quarter. Game was over. I mean, anyone with a brain could just been like, yep, this is done. A&M maybe can make this interesting. Score a touchdown, maybe block a kick, maybe get a stop on fourth down. But the game was over. But it wasn't over when they faced Georgia. And maybe that was because of the weather. Maybe that was because of the conditions of the field. Maybe it was because of Jake Fromm just had a rough game. But Georgia could have lost that game. Rodrigo Blankenship is the reason why Georgia is sitting with only one loss on their record and still in the running for the college football playoff. Texas A&M battled with Georgia late. And when the sun finally came out, so the offense. For both teams, really. But A&M specifically. Because Kalamon went 192 yards. He got two, he got a touchdown pass to Jamon Osmond. They made the game interesting. They were able to kind of close the gap. And unfortunately, they weren't able to get that play on fourth down with the Jalen Weidemeyer pass. DeAndre Swift rushed for two carries, got two first downs, game over. I want to see which team is for real. Because I think LSU is a really good team. But I also think that AM was a very good team that just couldn't get past that hump. They were right there and they just couldn't get over it. They almost got over it with Georgia. Could they get over it with LSU? No, they couldn't. But if Georgia could get over that hump of LSU, I feel a little bit better about that game. And if Georgia definitely can't get over that hump, I feel much better about that game for A&M fans. Because that was just a special LSU team. That's what I look at when I look at these games is, is the team that beat you losing to that same opponent? Because if not, yeah, I think you're set. I think you're fine. I think everything is, you know, going according to plan. And, you know, that's my big thing. Overall, Jimbo Fisher's won double the amount of games in A&M than he's lost. And he's lost to top-ranked teams. It's not like he's losing to these no-name puff schools that we see consistently every year. One team do. A&M wasn't upset by anybody. They lost. I think in only one game, they weren't favored that they lost. They weren't favored against LSU. They weren't favored against Georgia. They weren't favored against Clemson. They weren't favored against Alabama. And I don't know if they were favored against Auburn. It might have been close. But overall, they were underdogs in every single one of those games. So this weekend is going to say a lot about the program of LSU, a lot about the program of Georgia, and a lot about the program of Texas A&M. Because they closed out the year with one game 
where they looked like they could almost be there to take over the SEC. And the other game, they looked lost. But maybe they didn't look lost. Maybe LSU was just that good of a team. And they're a team that you're going to want to watch out for when it comes to college football playoff. And to close out the decade and begin a new one, they could be the first team in the 2020s from the SEC to host the national championship trophy. I'm going with LSU to get a big time win at plus 14 over Georgia, something along the lines, I think of 45 to 30, maybe, maybe it's a little closer 45 to 34, but I definitely think that this is LSU season and that they should be considered the top team in America. That's going to do it for this week of locked on Aggies on Monday. Guess what? We will know where Texas A&M is bowling. We will know who their opponent is, and we can start prepping for that. Real quick thought, give a shout-out to the AM volleyball team moving on to the second round after beating St. John's last night. Congratulations, ladies. We are proud of you up at AM. We are so excited to see where you go with this set, and we cannot wait to see where you will move on inside the national champion round. Hopefully, you will make it to that level. We'll be back on Monday to discuss the Aggies football. We'll be back to t- discuss also Aggies basketball. They will be facing Texas over the weekend, and we will find out where AM will be going bowling for the 11th consecutive season. This has been Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies, at Aggies SI, and at Mr. Cole Thompson. We'll see you Monday, everyone. And Remember, gig them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.